Do you hate Sonia Kasprak? Do you want to gossip about Karen Wheeler? Let's talk about it. Hello, and welcome to the Losers Party Podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Chloe. And today we are going to be talking about the small handful of parents on Stranger Things and the even fewer number of parents in it, how they are impactful, why they are important, and how they have shaped the children protagonists and the show itself. Chloe, I want to start with Joyce Byers. Joyce is like a mother to me. She... Yes. She is like... Isn't that weird? She's so much more than a mom, while at the same time being just perfectly a mom. (laughs) That's... Yeah, that's actually really perfect that you say that. The reason that I wanted to bring her up first is because um, two of the questions that we got kind of centered around adults have to do with Joyce in some way. Mm. Um, And the first one that I want to bring up is from my friend Catherine at She Who the River Could Not Hold uh, dashes in between those. Like, honestly, the most lovely blog. I, I I love Catherine a lot. But she sent in a really awesome question about how um, Joyce is a mom, but she's also a single mom, and there's a lot of kind of, I don't know, there's a lot of layers to that. Being mm-hmm. a single parent is difficult. Being a single mother in the 80s is difficult, and how um, it's never really brought up. Like, she's there's not really any prejudice, I would say, against Mm-mm. her for being a single mother, but at the same time, there's a lot of implied <sighs> I was gonna struggle. Say, the, a lot of implied struggle, and a lot of implied judgment from other characters. That yeah. Right, like, uh, like, like Karen. Oh, like, oh, yeah, like Karen. And I forget about that episode all the time, but yeah, like Karen. That, yeah, I, um, when, when Catherine sent this question, that was the first scene that popped into my mind mm-hmm. about, you know, it's not, like, rude. It's not like Karen comes over and she's like, it's because you're struggling. <sighs> it's because you can't do this on your own. But it is, like, there's kind of an underlying, like, I'm bringing you food and comfort because everyone can kind of tell that you're going absolutely bonkers. And there's, right. I mean, there's a lot going on. Like, it's not just because she's a... A single mother, it's because her son is missing, but there's kind of just this underlying, like... Like, especially with Lonnie. Oh, He specifically yeah. says, he's like, I know your mother couldn't do this on her own. Or right. something like that, where yeah. he's like, I told you you guys needed me. Yeah. Like, she can't do it properly. Yeah, and, um, but I think that that is such a good question to be brought to our attention, because, um... It is kind of this underlying thing. It just adds this extra level of, like, not only does Joyce have all of these supernatural monsters to battle, but she also has a lot of real-world, like, bullshit and stereotypes to battle. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's represented well in kind of the underlying treatment of her peers, or I guess um, town mates, like, when she does go to... Um, the police station in that first episode, and Flo and the other deputies are all treating her kind of poorly, and there's really no reason for that besides, I mean, maybe she's been annoying that morning because her son's missing, but more than that, Flo is like, it's Joyce again, like, Mm -hmm. you know, she's some neurotic person who's like, says her son's blah blah blah, as if she's not, you know, properly able to care for them. Right, like, it almost implies that maybe Joyce has had, I don't know, some issues before where she's gone to the police. Right. Or just issues before in general. Or maybe it literally is just the fact that she's a single mother, and so the fact that she's, like, 
coming in to complain about anything, they're like, oh, you know, it's about it's a matter of time before she freaked out over something, you right, know? Right, right. It's very much implied. Um, and what? you see it again in season two. Joyce calls the school to ask where Will is right before he gets possessed. And the two secretaries at the school, it's really brief, but it always stood out to me. They give each other this look like, oh, it's Joyce Byers. Like, she's... Oh, and so it, it's just this whole thing of, like, it, yeah. It, it really is, and it flows uh, throughout, um, like, even Steve in season one. Even Sting Her- Steve Harrington knows of Jonathan's parental situation. Mm-hmm. In real life, in real high school, you don't know about other kids' parental or home life situation like Oh, but you like do that. in small towns. I was about to say, but in the 80s? yeah. But in somewhere small, that would be something that a whole town would know. Be like, oh, I heard that um, Lonnie left her, mm-hmm. and now she's just taking care of the kids on her own, and somehow Steve knows that. You know what I mean? It's well, so yeah. taboo in the town to the point that even, you know, someone who's not even a friend of Jonathan's is like, I heard about your crazy single mom, mm-hmm. you know, like, where's your dad? Like, it matters. The 80s was still very much a time of, like, getting divorced was kind of, like, a big secret hush-hush thing. I was about to say, even me growing up, even me growing up, my parents stayed together until I was, uh, I think, 13. My parents stayed together until I was, like, 12. Which is kind of abnormal. Which was abnormal, and I was proud of it, and I was terrified of them divorcing um, because everybody else's parents had divorced, Mm -hmm. and it was, like this thing no one talked about Mm -hmm. like when you'd be like where is your dad and then another kid would be like he's in spokane (laughs) like it's something to be ashamed of yeah you know what i mean it's even it was even taboo when i was a kid yeah for sure and so it's just like you know imagine that times fucking the 30 years that has gone by since the 80s right when it was like oh they got divorced they got divorced that's horrible. And it's like... How are the kids? There's all this, um... I don't know, there's a lot of, like, discussion and a lot of headcanons about Karen and Ted separating, because they obviously Ooh. are in kind of a loveless marriage. I was about to say, they've made it very prominent that it's not working out. But more likely than not, I don't think I could see them actually separating, because that's just not what you did. I was about to say, that's <clears throat> not the easiest way for them to raise their kids. Mm-mm. And overall, besides m- paying bills, their kids are the only thing that matters in their life. Right. Like, Ted, what does Ted have besides his kids? He wa- he just watches TV every day. Right. He He lives for his children, you know? And so it's like, what's the easiest way to do that? staying together because it's like a status thing like i don't think ted actually gives a shit about anything Mm -hmm. like i don't think he cares about anything but it is like oh i have a good job and a pretty wife and three beautiful kids and a nice house yeah it's like it's all about status so it's pristine and joyce doesn't give a shit about status joyce doesn't give a shit about anything Joyce is fucking punk rock, dude. She's so cool. She doesn't care about one thing. <laughs> Except for her two Except beautiful sons. Except for her sons. goddamn children. My two beautiful boys. My two beautiful baby boys. Like, that's it, dude. And she's, she is, she's like, uh, Catherine actually said, um, in quotes, I think her dedication to her sons is both strong, but also never that she only feels that she has to be, quote, the mother. So it's like she does, she loves them, and she is like this mother character. She's like a mama bear to everyone, to mm-hmm. Elle right away, to all of Will's friends, to mm-hmm. Jonathan, to Nancy. I'm so thankful for that. A healthy, oh, it's beautiful, beautiful mother figure. It's gorgeous, but she also, it's more than that it's not this act that she's putting on it's not her like oh i have to be this mother character i have to be this protector she just is she just is so who she is passionate and caring and empathetic and devoted um and i just think it's really interesting to kind of 
compare and contrast her to to Karen, for example, where Karen mm. is kind of it almost more feels like she's playing a part, like she's doing what she's supposed to do. I I do think that she loves her kids for sure. Yes. But she's kind of just like she's doing what she's supposed to do, not what she wants to do. Right. That's very prominent. Yeah, definitely. Because it's, it's signaled to most multiple times and multiple scenes with Karen that what she wants is never what she gets. Yeah, never. Could you answer the door? Like, Ted, could you answer the door? I'm in the bath. She doesn't get it. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Or um, in the way that she does get what she wants, she has to yell at Ted. Or even, like, with her kids, all she wants is for her kids to talk to her. And I like, think, don't lie to me, just talk to me. And I think that it's so interesting that, again, we get this duality where, like, Jonathan and Will open up to Joyce all the time. Yeah. Like, she very rarely has to pry into things. I think a little bit more so with Jonathan, but he's older, right. he's moodier. Right. Um, but they come to her first, you know, Will's, like, proud to show off his art. He's comfortable with asking his mom for help. Yes. Um... Karen is like begging for her kids to give her anything any information and they don't and they repeatedly don't and so because of that she has no idea what they're doing or what they're up to right and it's not even her fault either it's just poor timing like you can tell she's doing her best and taking care of like her infant you know her toddler and trying to juggle a teenager and a preteen at the same time like it's prominent every time that she's trying Mm-hmm. She's like, Mike, you know, if you're sick, I'm not mad at you. I just want you to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can tell she's putting her best foot forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, definitely. It's not even that she's a shitty mom who wants to know her kids, but she's shitty. It's a mom truly trying her 100% and just poor timing. The kids can't trust her with this. Right. You know? It's, it's, it's not her fault. Definitely, like, this whole thing of, like... Joyce just is a motherly character and because Mm. of that people feel safe enough to open up to her right people feel safe to come to her with information um Elle feels safe to be alone with her Elle trusts her immediately absolutely immediately and there wasn't even a second hesitation to her trust to this woman and Elle doesn't trust anyone, anyone but my, I was going to say, hardly even the boys. Yeah, not. I mean, she she it's loves very, the boys, but trust and love and care are very different things. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way she reacts to the men at the diner. Mm-hmm. What a reaction. She doesn't trust one of them. No. You know, she runs away like a bug. But she doesn't even really trust, like, her aunt. No. No, she hard. No, she hardly trusts anyone. But maybe Mike. Mm-hmm. She's trying with him. You know, it's like with Joyce, it's an immediate click. And maybe, oh my gosh, I never even thought of this. Maybe it's just because Joyce is a woman. Oh, when I'm ha- sure. When is Eleven ever around a woman? Never. She. I don't think she's ever really been around a woman. Never on camera. It's not really shown. No. Never on camera was she ever. And then. All she has is her mother and her sister. Right. She, of, of course she immediately is magnetized to Joyce, because when would she ever feel a person She's like, like that otherwise? She's like, holy shit, all, like, men have ever done is, like, hurt me, and... This person that isn't a man, it has been like, nothing but beautiful been to fucking me. nice to me. Mm-hmm. We're going off on a whole tangent about Elle. <laughs> but the... But, no, the... it says something to Joyce's character, No, though. it does, absolutely, and it's just, like... I just, I thought that was such an amazing question that we got. Yes. That I don't feel like I've ever seen anyone really talk about, and I I've fleetingly thought about it. I fleetingly thought about how cool that Joyce is a single mom. Oh, yeah. Multiple times, but it's never really been stated or talked about. And I mean, we do have to give some credit then to um, Claudia Henderson. 
also a single mom. Oh, yes. I thought about that, too. I absolutely noticed that when I was watching season two. I was like, oh, he doesn't have a dad. And she's also a kick-ass mom. Like, she's not mm-hmm. as passionate or, like, protective as Joyce is by any means, but she also just, like, blindly supports Dustin. Bl- and she thinks In a rage. She thinks that kid is the coolest fucking kid in the yes. whole world. And I mean, he is. Like, Dustin, if I had right. Dustin as a kid, I would also be like, holy shit, look at this you, kid. You know that meme where it's um, misquoted Stranger Things scenes? Like the incorrect incorrect quotes yeah and it's been screenshots and it's steve and nancy in the bathroom fighting and she's like why wouldn't anybody dance with him he's so funny and, and he's like i don't know kid funny but yeah. really funny but like really funny oh my yeah, god I that's think literally that me all the time that's literally everyone like it's so accurate um and i feel like there's also kind of an underlying thing where it's less like we don't get to see people interacting with Claudia the way that we get to see people interacting with Joyce but it's kind of more in the way that Claudia's story is told where it's almost the same thing where they're like oh Claudia like bless your heart like Mm -hmm. she's just a crazy cat lady and like she doesn't really know what she's doing and yes 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 and and uh, it's like oh she's uh, she's just under the radar she has no clue of yeah. course she wouldn't like oh you know she doesn't even know what's going on in her own house oh. you know and right. it's such a good example of like subtle storytelling where it's not outright said like these are single mothers in a time where it's not really cool to be single mothers mm-hmm. but at the same time you totally get a sense of like oh it's a lot harder for them Yes, I mean, it was such a, one of the other times that single parenthood was broadcasted as extremely taboo is when Obama was first being elected. Um, They kind of were trying to pull out all the Republican punches Mm -hmm. to make him look bad, and one of the ways was he didn't have a dad. Right. Mm -hmm. They were like, he was raised by a single mom, to the point where he had to make a statement about it. Right. Like, it was that taboo. disgusting. In, what, 2008? 2008? And we're still talking about the same things that the 80s were troubled with, which is what we're talking about. And, like, I fucking get that in my own family. Like, my Mm -hmm. mom is a single mom. Right. Since I was, like, five. Uh Uh-huh. And my own grandma and, like, aunts and uncles will kind of say snide things to my mom, like, whenever... I don't know, because I was a pretty good kid, Yeah. but my little brother, if he ever gets in trouble for anything, they're like, well, he doesn't have a dad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, it's right. it's literally 2018, right. why are we still treating women this way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Absolutely. I want to carry on from Joyce. And, you know, the kind of stereotypes or taboos that came along with Joyce. And I want to, for a final time, direct towards Karen Wheeler. Yes. Um, I kind of want to talk about how she is underappreciated as a, as a mom. And yes. she's not an amazing mom. No. She's not Joyce status at all. But she is the best mom she could be for the time period she's the perfect 80s housewife well that's the whole that is the whole thing is that there are different just like i was saying before karen is playing a part like her kids have everything they could ever want Mm -hmm. they live in a nice house each kid has their own room you know they have like I'm sure that Nancy gets to go shopping all the time. I'm sure that Mike gets all of the, you know, video games that he wants. Like, in her mind, and I'm sure in the mind of the town, Karen's the perfect mother. Right. But in our eyes, because we get to see both sides of the situation, while Joyce struggles a lot more, she's, you know, quote-unquote, a better mother because she knows her kids better. She truly knows who her kids are, what they want, what they need, interpersonal, their dreams, their aspirations, Mm -hmm. things that most parents don't do or don't do well. 
where she knows where Jonathan wants to go to goddamn school. Which is she, incredible. She recognizes when um, Will runs out of things, like his art. Mm-hmm. Like, she's invested in it with him. You know what I mean? She's mm-hmm. like, you're running out of colors? We better fix that. It and, matters to her. And and Karen, on the other side, I, I do think that she cares about her kids. I think that she gets a bad reputation. Um, people are really quick to be like, oh, Karen's a terrible mother. Well, oh I don't think that Karen's a terrible mother. I think that she is doing exactly what she thinks she's supposed to do. I think so, too. And if... She's like, this is right, right? Like, mm-hmm. I can't do better than this, right? And, um, you know, it has to be taken with a grain of salt that, like, yeah, of course there's more that she could be doing. And, of course, her kids are getting into all of these shenanigans and danger without her knowledge. But at the same time, like, if they're not telling her, then literally what can she do? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing that can be done. Because when it comes down to it, they don't feel, I guess, comfortable enough to tell her what's going on. Right. So she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. So she literally can do nothing about it. And you can tell over time it changes. Over over time, it definitely changes. Like, uh, previously, Mike was going to go straight to her. Right. With the missing girl. Immediately, he loves his mom. He trusts his parents. He he's going to. Mm-hmm. Karen is in the ballpark. He park. says, "My mom will know what to do." Exactly. Like, don't worry. My mom will take you in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, she'll give you your new room. All this. Like, she'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like, she starts off playing the game. Mm-hmm. You know, she's in the ballpark for sure. But it's just a perfect representation of when your kids begin to mature. You know, your godlyhood in their eyes falls away pretty fast. And I think that a lot of uh, Karen's downfalls have a a lot more to do with Ted. Mm. Because I I think Ted is a bad father. You can tell easily. He's not, he doesn't care. It was made with purpose that Karen was so thoughtful and Ted was so thoughtless. Mm -hmm. It was very purposeful. Because like, she she genuinely does care. She doesn't go about it as as good as she could have Mm -hmm. but she genuinely does care ted genuinely doesn't care right and so i think you know this whole conspiracy all of this shit is going down and ted is just being an asshole about all of it he's being so like bigoted and political about all of it to the point where mike and nancy are like well what's the point of going to my parents even if my mom does care Mm mm-hmm because my dad is still going to make this some weird thing that it's not. Right. And it only gets worse as it becomes more and more out of her control. You can tell that she's juggling a lot with Nancy and uh, Mike in the second season because Mike is just completely out of her control. She can't... He's reached the age where she can't really impression him in any way, and he's going off the handles. He's super, like... (laughs) I was going to say independent, but it's really more of just, like, stubbornness. I was going to say, he's just alienating himself. He's uh, he's upset about a lot of things, and so he's just kind of being stubborn and hot-headed. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to listen to what anyone says anyway. Yes. That's another thing, is we also have to consider Joyce is absolutely amazing. We can't even deflect that. But the type of children that each of them have. Of course, of course, Joyce is going to be closer with Jonathan and Will because they're so thoughtful and emotional. How can Karen ever get close to Mike? Ever. He basically... With his little ass attitude. like, just shy of being like, fuck you, mom. And, like, fucking backflipping out of the room. Exactly. Like, what more can she do? If she had Will as a son, oh, I'm sure they'd be close. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure they'd just love the shit out of each other. Because who couldn't with that kid? And Whereas that, with Mike, it's like, consider the differences. That actually brings to something that you wanted to talk about um, yeah, with right. Jonathan and Joyce. Oh, oh, yeah, bringing up Jonathan. So Jonathan's my favorite character in all of Stranger Things. I have a lot of opinions about him. Really, really love him. If anybody ever wants to talk about him, please stop by. <laughs> but <laughs> Come over. 
Please He'll come have over. a slumber party. I would love to talk about him. But um, I want to talk about um, kind of, this is going to come on strong, but Jonathan and Joyce's dependency on each other and how they're kind of the yin to each other's yang. How um, going unsaid, Jonathan is just as much of a caretaker as Joyce is. Um, they both love Will arguably just as much as each other. You couldn't pick who loves Will more. There's just no way. He is the center of each of their worlds. Mm -hmm. Completely. You can see that in the last episode of season one, the Christmas episode. Oh, yeah. He is everything to them and always has been. And you can tell. And I think that's because Joyce and Lonnie were never meant to raise Will. It was Jonathan and Joyce that were always meant to raise Will because, like, they, they're connected. Like, they're soulmates. Mm -hmm. Like, they're each other's other half. And that probably sounds really weird, but um, I think that it's just another really good example of very true-to-life writing. Like, for such a sci-fi Im impossible show, the characters are so fully realized because that's what happens the majority of the time in single-parent homes where the oldest child gets a lot of responsibility and mm -hmm. becomes a second caretaker to the younger kids. Yes. It happened with me. It happened with you. Absolutely. It happened with Jonathan. Yes, it happened with Jonathan. I mean, he, I mean, he has a job. And it's like, okay, well, what is a kid that young in the 80s doing with a job when he's still in school? And then he's like, Mom, I had to catch an extra shift. So you're like, oh, okay. Now I have the impression that Jonathan's helping to pay for things in he's the house. He's helping, and he, like, cooks he's, all the meals. He's literally the one getting up to cook and clean. He's yeah. the one babysitting on late nights. And he also has a job that may be supporting his mother as well. Yeah. And that just screams to me an equal caretaker. Mm -hmm. That screams to me that he is her everything as well. Mm -hmm. On a different level than Will, though. Yeah. They love each other on an entirely different level that's just much more mature. They're both having to care for this kid that they both love equally. And they love each other equally. That just screams soulmate to me. And it's just another example of, like, uh, in It, Bill, and uh, Georgie being soulmates. Mm -hmm. They're absolutely one when they're together they're a unit that's definitely a topic that um was originally what i wanted to be the first episode of this podcast was platonic soulmates mm -hmm. because everyone's always talking about soulmates in the sense that people fall in love with each other and it's very romantic mm -hmm. but platonic soulmates are just as real and oh my gosh just as strong and just as powerful like mm -hmm. i have friends who I consider to be soulmates in the same way that I consider you, my partner, to be my soulmate. Yes, absolutely. And it's painful, and it's just mm -hmm. as strong. It's, And it absolutely comes to fruition for, for me through Joyce and Jonathan's relationship. Everything about it screams that they know each other the best. Yeah. E they're each other's everything. He has no friends. <laughs> he has no father. His family is his friends. His family, his mother is his best friend, and you can tell that through every conversation he has with Hopper, mm -hmm. every time he comes to her defense, even when they're fighting in the street. It's a very mature conversation they're having. Yeah, because they are comfortable enough with each other to kind of go beyond the relationship of mother mother and son mm -hmm. and into the relationship of equals. Mm -hmm. Friends. Who are both going through the same thing yeah. equally. Respect each other's opinions. Yeah. You know, and of course she has the mother... Like, you know, the mother figure over him. But more often than not, he's the one talking her down from things. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So there's a, just another indication of the relationship is not perfectly healthy. Dude, Jonathan, it's a little too, you know, there's not, Jonathan not a lot of Jonathan is such a fucking pillar of salt. He's like calming down Nancy, calming down Steve, calming down Joyce, <sighs> calming down Hopper. He's like, everyone, please just stay calm. He's so, he's so good. Um, ah, Jonathan. The other, before we move on to it, um, there were two more things I wanted to touch on. Yes. Uh, one of the other questions that we got was about Jopper. So Joyce and Hopper being in 
love because everyone agrees and knows that they are. I can't believe that that's not just canon. I forget that it's not. I it I completely it's completely over my head. I forget that it's not actually true. I mean, they share a hug, but guess who hugs? Everyone. Yeah. But to us, we're like, wow, we see right through that. They're in love. Uh-huh. But they are. I, we haven't really talked about Hopper very much yet. Mm-hmm. And while he definitely is a parent, um, you know, he was once before, and now he's getting this kind of second chance at the whole thing, I feel like when I think of the parents of the show, he doesn't come right to my mind because I think that he is still kind of figuring out how to be a parent again. Mm-hmm. And he's fucking up a lot of it and he's stumbling through a lot of it. He's making a lot of mistakes because, you know, after oh, his yes. daughter died, he kind of fell off the deep end as a lot of people do, as anyone would. You know, it's heartbreaking. And so while he doesn't come to mind immediately when I think of parent, he loves Elle so much. And he has no clue what he's doing. He, I don't even think it hits him until kind of late in the game. I don't think it hits him until they have that car ride that to he the loves lab. Her. I don't think it really hits him until he's like, holy shit, I feel, I, love her. I feel for her the exact way that I did for my daughter. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see it in his face when he's talking about Sarah. And Elle's like, you know, what happened to her? And he's like, oh, she's gone. They're both like crying and it's just so tender. They're completely on the same vibration. And she's like, oh, Elle I get it. Exactly. Elle looks into him and he looks into her very intimate moment where she's like oh my god he just confided in me about yeah and and their relationship as father and daughter is never going to be a normal one because it's just not (laughs) it's just not a normal situation like she's not a normal kid he's not a normal dad no but that's why i think that joyce and hopper getting together is going because i like, we all know it's gonna happen. Right. Like, it's been it's been alluded to like constantly. It, it's one of those things that we just kind of all know mm-hmm. that it's going to be, and we can all be happy that it is. I'm so excited because it's just true, <laughs> and it's nobody's just, even denied it. No, it's just real. Everyone's all wink, wink, and nobody wants it more than fucking David Harbor himself. Yes, exactly. Um. But that's why I think that Joyce and Hopper together is going to be so absolutely amazing because you get not only this, like, beautiful and and powerful and passionate, loving mother, but you also get this man who is, like, learning how to love again. He's learning how to be a good person again. Mm-hmm. It's like a fresh start. I was gonna say, like, like, with season two with Hopper, it's like, you couldn't tell if he was the antagonist or the protagonist. A little bit, yeah. Until the very end, where you're like, is he a good guy? Is he a shithead? Is he a bad guy? Is he on our side? Is he gonna understand? Yeah, it's like, Like, I mean... Like, who is this guy? I always knew that he was a good guy, but I didn't know if he was going to believe Joyce or not. Yes. Until he fucking cut open that cadaver. Right. And then I was like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. You know, and then he completely, like, 180 and he was, like, doing everything in his power to just, like, Mm -hmm. support Joyce. You can tell that he's just a powerhouse for justice. Absolutely. He's like Batman status. Absolutely. Yeah. And I um, I think that's another really interesting dynamic where everything that he does, because he is so badass, and David Harbour, one of my favorite things that I've ever heard him say about, um, about Hopper, is that the women in the show are so badass and so just, like, assured that it lets him also be 
kind of this very masculine dude without having to with without there being any damsel in distress moments. Oh nice. Like he gets to be this like Indiana Jones type character like fucking breaking into places and punching people and wearing right. a cool hat, but he's never the one saving the day. Everything that he does is to further Joyce. Yeah. And that's why when they finally get together, their relationship is going to be awesome. He is nothing, I mean, he is a fantastic character, but he is nothing if not a plot mover. Yes. He's there to move plot point to plot point. He's a for, he's a great character because of that fact. For the two women in his life. Exactly. For Joyce and for Elle. Exactly. Like, why do you think he's um, going to the hospital constantly uh, with Will to be checked up? It's not necessarily for Will. It's for Joyce and also for the benefit of Elle. So every that he can single learn time. more information, yeah. Exactly. Every single time. So it's like everything he does is just a... He's just a plot point furthening tool and and like don't get us wrong he gets in his own shenanigans totally but mm -hmm. it's always for somebody else it's always for joyce or for l he's such a giver but on top of that he is just such a father and supportive figure he's just very hyper masculine Mm -hmm. and And not in a toxic way which is so rare especially for media that's based around like anything to do with the 80s like toxic masculinity fucking ran rampant Mm -hmm. in in every 80s movie in most action movies now and Mm -hmm. i would say that a lot of his story arc is kind of an action theme but it's never toxic it's never in your face it's never like i'm a man so i'm gonna get to the bottom of this on my own Mm -hmm. it's so like i'm doing this for the women in my life yes it's awesome. It's amazing. And I cannot wait for them to just fucking get together already and so that <laughs> Will and Elle can be siblings. I'm excited about all of it. Yeah. Um, before I move on to the parents in It, um, I want to really quickly talk about the Sinclairs. We haven't seen very much of them. Um, what we have seen is that they're just really loving and... I'm sure that we'll get to see more. They've made Lucas be very, like, rational. Lucas's dad is probably kind of a man's man. Right. Because he was in... He fought in Vietnam, if I'm not mistaking. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that kind of... It's really telling when you look at who Lucas is as a character. He has um, a mother who's really close to him, so he has a lot of respect for women. Mm -hmm. But he's also, like, a very rough-and-tumble, like, take-no-bullshit boy. Right. And it's it's really cool. I think that Lucas is a really good male character. I think that his parents are awesome. I think that it's a huge injustice that we don't know their names yet. Oh, yeah, that's horrible. And not to get all political about it, but I think we all know why. So yeah. I'm just looking forward to when we do get absolutely. to see more of their family. Yeah, absolutely. Complete injustice as far as the Sinclairs go right now. Because it would have been so easy for them to just, like, say each other's names. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of leave it to you because that's more your jurisdiction. It's my ball. It's my court now. It's my ball game we're playing. It's your money and you want it now. And I want it now. It's... Okay, if we're gonna talk about literally any parent from it, you know that we're about to talk mad smack about one... One Sonya Kasprak. <laughs> oh man she is just a piece of work i know what can we really say that hasn't already been said you know what i mean like i want if we're gonna say anything about sonia and her parenting i want us to talk about the fact that what she has and what she's inflicting upon eddie is munchausen by proxy yes Okay, okay. Munchausen by proxy, for, you, for those of you that don't know. 
Yeah, because I've seen a lot of people defending her by being like, she's just doing what she thinks is best. You know, she just, Mm -hmm. it all comes from a place of love. I was going to say, also, like, um, Frank died. Like, think about Frank dying from illness. How would you react? Like, absolutely not. That's literally... I, I'm pretty sure it's it's canon, too. I'm pretty sure Stephen King has... I, I, I don't know. I wish I had the receipts. But it, it is literally Munchausen by proxy. Mm-hmm. And when... Like, word for word, step by step. And when you have Munchausen by proxy, you are not doing it out of love. Mm-hmm. You are not doing it because you care. The only care that you have for the person that you are inflicting this illness upon is to get attention is to get attention for yourself whatever amount ounce bit tiny little freaking scrap of care that she has for eddie is a reflection of the care that she has for herself she's very 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 dominant Mm -hmm. and she's not afraid to act dominant even to children She's manipulative, Mm -hmm. she's abusive, Mm -hmm. verbally and physically, like, forcing a child to, forcing a child to take medication that they don't need, you know, locking a child in their room, not allowing them to, you know, go outside whenever they want, alienating them, that is all Mm -hmm. abuse. That is literally what it is, it's abuse. She's no different than Beverly's father, it's just Mm -hmm. not physical. Yes, and you can see that throughout Eddie's entire character, how it's affected him. Yes. His entire character is built upon the anxieties and neglect that he has gotten from his mother. Yes. Specifically. It's her. It's throughout every piece and part about him, whether it be the book, the movie, or even the miniseries especially. Mm-hmm. She inflicts pain upon his whole life. Because of this illness, Munchausen by proxy. Um, I encourage anyone who doesn't know what Munchausen is to um, do their own research because I don't know enough about it to kind of give any sort of like accurate information. But it's just, it's literally Sonia exhibits this disease like literally point a point b like the definition it's when you most commonly it's when you fake illness either in yourself or by proxy in someone else for attention Mm -hmm. and there are lots of ways to do that but the most common is to tell your child you have this illness you have that illness let's go to the hospital let's get you medication you know, you're allergic to this, you are, you have an aversion to this, and you mm-hmm. completely manipulate everyone around you into thinking that there's all of these things wrong for medical attention. And mm-hmm. it sounds crazy, but it's not that uncommon. There are lots of documented cases of it. And so I feel like people downplay Sonia's true parenting and true abuse. They downplay it a lot in order for it to be writable in order for her to be tolerable and it's like you don't have to do that she's pretty intolerable and in trade they downplay Sonia's abuse and they upplay Richie's parents abuse (laughs) and Wentworth and Maggie Tozier Tozier good old Mags that's what we tell her that's what we call her in the business Mags. Mags we love good old Mags um, <laughs> um, I just want to talk about, um, kind of the misinterpretation of Richie's parents within the fandom. Yeah, it's like what you were talking about before, where people, it, it's so common to see his parents written or talked about as if they're abusive, that most people don't even realize that his parents were, like, fine. <laughs> I was gonna say they're really, really good parents. Yeah, they really—they're trying their best. I mean, you can tell within the book that they're like struggling to kind of figure out what kind of goddamn kid they have. Yeah. <laughs> like the kid's nuts, but I'm you also can... struggling to figure out what kind of kid they have. Right, right. 
I'm like, what is It's your... just fucking crazy. And you can tell, especially with Wentworth, he um, is trying his best to kind of reciprocate with his son, relate to his son on the same level. Like, they're both doing voices. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I can help you out to go to the movies because you spent all your money. Here's a chore you can do. Mm-hmm. Here's my funny little voice that we do together. And it's all because their kid... They're just figuring out how to best raise their child who isn't, I'm not going to say special needs, but definitely has um, just a different personality than a lot of other kids. Yeah, isn't it? It's like really common people uh, write him as like ADHD. Yeah, very common. Or ADD. Mm -hmm. Uh, My little brother is ADHD and him and Richie are really similar. Yeah. It's just like hyperactive really imaginative, really kind of, like, creative. Wants to make people laugh. Wants attention, whether Mm -hmm. it's positive or negative. Right, right. Um, So, like, for sure, I I can totally see people uh, relating to him in that way. Yes. Or headcanoning him in that way. And his parents are... They're both pretty busy, and I think that's where it stems from, is that because they're not around all the time that people kind of uh, exaggerate it and they're like, oh, they're absent. And maybe that's a way for them to project, Mm -hmm. like a healthy way for them to project, get their feelings of their parents off of their backs uh, using Richie as a catalyst. But baby, you can just use Eddie's mom as a catalyst. Yeah, (laughs) let's, let's talk about the real and true honest. But yeah, I just, I think it's really interesting that more often than not, Richie's parents are type typewritten <laughs> as being super absentee right. or just like full on abusive mm-hmm. uh, when they're not. No. Not in canon. And I mean, head cannons are head cannons. Write them however you want. Right. I just, have as much fun as you want, for I, sure. I have read a ton of fix or just a ton of uh, analysis or whatever where people write his parents as mm-hmm. abusive and it's super interesting yeah, love it all the same and it's great i just think that it's it is interesting that that is what is so common right absolutely absolutely when it's not canon yes parental interactions in it especially not in the new movie you really only see no. you only see an adult when it is for abuse Right. Within it. If you see an adult, it is for the infliction and pain of the child. Other than, like, the couple seconds. I guess other than the, the couple of interactions you get with uh, with Bill's parents. Now, even then, Bill's parents, have you seen the deleted scenes? It's yeah. truly neglectful. It's truly to the pain and the derangement of their child. That's true. But they are, like, going through shit. They are, but it has almost been goddamn... It's been over half a year. Yeah. You know, you know, it's even with Bill's dad, it's not out of a place of abuse that he's being terrible, but it is at the uh, butt end of harming his child. Right. Even though it's not out of a place of hate or disdain, it's still damaging, damaging Bill very much. But, yeah, in the new movie, you really only see adults when, yeah, like you said, there is a- abuse or neglect going on. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, it's a little bit more well-rounded, not by much. It's a little bit more well-rounded where, like, uh, Mike's parents are really awesome mm-hmm. and love oh, him yes. a lot. Right, right. Uh, Richie's parents are a little bit more absent, but they love him a lot yeah. and they have fun with him. You know, so there is a little bit more balance, but I think probably one of my favorite theories about why the adults are so terrible in it is that it more or less brainwashes the town and maybe it's through the water. Like, literally makes adults either completely oblivious or or horrible. Right. Um, Just super interesting, something that. I always think about whenever I'm rewatching, or, uh, you know, I've just finished the book. So the whole time that I was reading the book, I think that's such a, a fun, for lack of a better word, theory. And I think it makes complete sense yeah. that it's just this over-exaggeration of, like, only kids 
can do anything because adults can't think for themselves kind of right right yeah very very true wrapped it up i think we may have touched base in all of the places that we wanted to touch yeah, base. Yeah, that's kind of everything I wanted to talk about. We're finishing up a little early tonight. I know. A little shorter episode. Usually we ramble and have to cut out like half an hour of us just like... Rambling and rambling. Making stupid jokes. Right. But I think we kind of got to the point with the adults. Their kind of interpretations and meanings are very clear within the media. They are. So it's much easier to kind of talk about than infer about... Um, yeah, absolutely. Those are kind of my opinions on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know which episode we're going to do next. I have no clue. But I do know that um, I was on vacation recently, so I think that you know we had another kind of lull in our episodes coming out, but I think we're going to start being more regular Yeah. once every two weeks. Yeah, that's the goal anyway, once that's every two goal. weeks. Yep. I'm sure the longer we go, the more uh, systematic it's going to become. Um, thank you to everyone who sent in questions. Yeah. Another shout out to Catherine yeah. at she who the river could not hold with dashes in between. Oh, yes. And um, Allie at bitchin promises with a dash in between. Oh. We follow each other. Dude. I love Allie. That's my name twin. Oh my gosh. I love Allie. Bitch and promises. Yes. She's the best. The other Allie. Yes. Um, she sent in the question asking for us to talk about Jopper. And um, we didn't get super into it. But I, I hope that we touched on it enough to <laughs> to appease. Um, thank you so much to both of you. I love both of you. Um Thank you to everyone who's been listening. I hope that you've enjoyed. Yes, 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 yes. Kind of to leave you guys with something to think about. A little headcanon of mine is Richie uh, grows up with a lisp. He's not able to say the R sound. So whenever he introduces himself, he says, My name's Witchy Tozier. Oh, it's so precious. It's so cute. Just just imagine. Because you also had Canon Richie to have uh, buck teeth, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, he absolutely has buck teeth. Absolutely. Fuck yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. This is Stranger Than I Thought. Six different ways inside. Song.